And when COVID broke last year, people were calling it a health crisis. By August, I knew it was a fraud vaccine crisis. And now is the time to take on the fraud within CDC, NIH. They're going to do the cabal, as I call it, where they actually use human beings as guinea pigs for vaccinations. Well, let me let me just say something real quick, because what you just said is it's heart wrenching. Right. And that's what really got me to the next mm -hmm. level in this as as I put up as I started hearing my wife, not only my wife's continuing to see my wife's um, lack of um, access to medical care or people that knew what was going on. <clears throat> I put up a website for them and then doing the interviews with the people that were in her group, especially the 12-year-old the girl that was in the trial. Maddie. Maddie, yeah. yeah. Um, that just was heart-wrenching, and, and that was probably the fourth or fifth interview I'd done, and so editing those and putting those up on the website, and I was finally like, man, I got to call, I got to call somebody that's that has more ability to speak, and that's where I, I, I stumbled on to calling Senator Johnson, and uh, so I just cold-called his office. I didn't know him didn't know what his politics or positions were, um, just knew he was a senator from Wisconsin. And we were on the phone uh, that night, uh, by that night. And then of course, uh, three days later on Sunday, he sat down uh, on Zoom with about 60 of the people in the group and listened to about eight to 10 stories, uh, along with McCullough, who he brought with him. Uh, two hours on a Sunday evening, taking notes. It was unbelievable. Peter McCullough? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, if you want to go back, I, you know how you want to edit that in or not, or whether we're going to go to go ahead and you just. Well, hit I, I guess you know, Ken. First of all, I mean, you're a you're a husband and a father. Um, this has changed your life. So let's just talk about the the impact because the one thing that's really clear to me, talking to people who have had injured kids for twenty and thirty years that this is a repeat. And uh, what uh, Cheryl just said about kids, if they're injured, may not be able to communicate what's going on. 20, 30 years ago, these toddlers couldn't. They couldn't speak. And some of them actually lost the capability of speaking if they, if they could say anything. And they haven't spoken since. I've met some of these kids. They can't put a sentence together. So, the impact on a family is very important for people to understand. So if you can just share how this has been and, and you know, and, and how you look at it now. Yeah. So I think, you know, we, yeah, I don't even know where to begin. Um, Cheryl did some of the research on vaccines, um, on, well, especially on this um, new therapy gene whatever this is gene therapy yeah this new technology and there wasn't a lot of information out there other than kind of the status quo it's safe it's effective we're going to use this to get through the pandemic she was pretty hesitant about you know being one of the you know early first rollout folks but she got some push and some prodding at work, you know, for her to continue what she was doing and get her degree and graduate with a master's in counseling. She was going to have to 
they didn't have to do it, but it has some pretty good pressure. And so she decided, well, you know, for lack of any full disclosure of information, she went ahead and, and took it and started to have, you know, within two or three days, some pretty severe reactions, which continued into, um, by the end of the week, pain and tingling all over her face and her scalp and then down in her, in her arms and hands. And, and, uh, and it was concerning. Um, we knew pretty quick or we thought pretty quick, this has got to be from the injection. I mean, there's, she was healthy. She was, you know, walked five miles a day. She rode bikes. We went fly fishing together, um, mountain biking. Uh, and now all of a sudden the only difference between a week ago and that day was the shot. So it was pretty obvious to us. Now, of course, we thought, okay, well, we'll go see the doctors. Um, there's going to be a remedy. That's what doctors do. That's what our medical, um, uh, our healthcare um, industry and community does is you get sick, you go to the doctor, they fix you, you go home. Um, wrong, uh, at least so far. Uh, and with every month, now that it's been about seven months, uh, with every month, uh, that window um, feels like it's closing shut and there's not much room left uh, for hope. Um, and that means um, how we interact with grandkids, how we travel, uh, what her ability to be out in the sun or the heat or the cold, uh, her ability to, now she's down to slowly walking, uh, she's up to, I should say, slowly walking a mile a day um, on a good day. Um, but no, definitely no fly fishing, no bike riding, um, very limited time with grandkids. Um, so yeah, it's completely changed our lives and she has not gotten better in some ways, uh, in some areas worse. And I guess the, for both of us, the greater fear is what is, what does next month look like or next year look like, or five or six years down the road look like, will she get to five or six years? Will, is this cut her life short? Will this neurological mm -hmm. quagmire build and, and degenerate and get worse? Will it turn into a mental health disease? Um, we don't know. And it's scary. And she's said, and we both feel this way, um, she feels like she'll constantly be looking over her shoulder the rest of her life. So I asked Cheryl this question. I'm going to ask you. There's, what would you say to Joe Biden? Face to face to Joe Biden. What I would tell Joe Biden is to shut this operation down now. Shut it down now. And without any further research, don't, don't get, go back to this well. And in the meantime, also I would say, help the people that have been injured, that stepped up for this country to do the right thing, to, to bravely and courageously be first in on the trials, to be first in to help us get beyond the pandemic, the collateral damage, the people that drew the short straw, help them out. We, we, have, done, we have done more for people with peanut allergies who are allergic to peanut butter than we are doing for people that have sacrificed and committed to helping us all out and have, have been discarded. Help, help the people that were the heroes that st st uh, stood up first, help them out, find a way to help them recover their lives. 
Do you think that um, the people who have been injured are the real information for an informed consent? Do I think that they that they had yeah. it when they no? I mean, if, I mean, no, no. The, the, I don't think that they had it, and I agree with you on that. Okay, but I'm talking about now. Their information should be out there because it really defines the information for an informed consent. I mean, I, I think because they're being oh. gaslighted, it, it's intention could possibly be intentional. Well, here's my my perspective on that: is if you want to know. The people are out there. The data is out there waiting for you to go find it. And it's not like some hidden treasure. It's pretty accessible. And I I would bet there is a mile long line of people waiting. Virologists, epidemiologists, scientists, biologists who would love to study what's really happening. But I don't think they want to know. Whoever they are, they don't want to know. What's your follow-up with Johnson? Uh, my follow-up with Johnson is, um, I think, like a lot of the people that are aware uh, and, and can kind of see uh, the train coming down the tracks and where it's headed, the concern, I think, uh, for both of us and for many people out there. And I think a lot of it will we'll see, we'll see where it goes in the next 60 days, you know, through September and into October once the FDA approves this uh new technology shortcuts it speeds it rushes it to market um we'll see how the mandates follow passports follow we'll see i mean I, it sounds it sounds conspiratorial but i don't believe in conspiracies i don't believe in coincidence you know i don't believe in either one of those there there are things that happen and they're happening um without conspiracy and they're happening without coincidence so as johnson said he's going to get back to you I mean, oh, we talk, um, we talk every week or two. And uh, one of the things that I that I also st stumbled into, I mean, this whole thing was, I mean, I teach, I'm a tenured college professor, I have my PhD in sociology. And I look forward to my summers, you know, I teach and, and, you know, engage with the students. And so I was looking forward to a summer of fly fishing and biking with my wife and, and enjoying our grandkids that live in the area. Uh, with each other. And this thing has just turned our lives upside down. Um, and instead, I've spent the summer, you know, interviewing uh, and trying to help uh, get these folks help uh, that need help. They're, they're injured, they're losing their jobs, they can't take care of their kids, they're in their, their medical bills are sky high. And so I'm trying to help, you know, trying to help them in addition to, you know, my own what's going on with my wife in our own house uh, and her illness. And, and what what recently happened a few weeks ago was I started getting emails from nurses that were telling me what's really going on that's not being reported in the news in hospitals. Tell us. Well, Tell us where, where, where the beds are filling up with people that are injured uh and and have taken the vaccine um now is it can you prove causation no um you know but talking to one nurse on the east coast in her area for example 45 percent of the of their population was vaccinated 80 percent plus of the people 
in her care in the hospital were vaccinated. And we're talking heart issues, lung issues, blood clot issues, and neurological issues. So there was this spike in, in, in these, um, in, she's had a spike in the census of these issues and 80%, so almost twice the average um, vaccination rates in the hospital. So there's a, so what seems to be without crunching the statistical numbers, but what, what, what one would hypothesize as this vaccine is causing some serious in, injuries and putting people in the hospital. And so I started reaching out to other nurses and, and what is going on in our, now we're trying to, we're trying to figure out, is this just a few places, but the more information and the more people we talk to, the more this seems to be a pattern. And of course that's what scientists look for, right? It's patterns. And right. then you go out and you research it. So, uh, you know, if, if this is more than just a coincidence or, or an anomaly, if this is a pattern, then I think we should speak out. Um, and I think the nurses are, that I'm talking to, they want to speak out. So I, we'll see. Are they afraid because they're afraid of oh. the nursing boards are going to come after them? They're going to lose their jobs? They are so fearful of losing their jobs. Uh, they, a, a lot of them, they're so fearful, they don't even want to put out an anonymous letter with the city and state. They're so fearful of reprisals because it's their livelihood and it's their love and passion. Well, not only that, but now, now for those who have seen the injuries or questioned the vaccines and 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 have heard these stories, if they don't want to get a vaccine, you know, if they if they they might have to lose their jobs. Right. I mean, I think I think the canary. To me, my perspective is the canary in the coal mine in the next thirty to sixty days is going to be in large part. Uh, what policies come into place following the FDA approval and how we respond as a country, a lot of that is going to be focused, I think, on how do nurses respond because I think they hold a lot of power. Do they realize it? Are they fearful? Will they stand up? Of course, you know, we should all be doing, you know, our part. I mean, teachers will have that opportunity, probably police, uh, fire, uh, early responders, um, also maybe truckers. It'll be interesting to see where this thing goes. Oh, um, it's good. it's going to be fascinating to see because I think I I, I think it's going to get to a tipping point, and then people are just going to say that the hell with it, okay? Because they're going to lose people, maybe 20, 30 percent of healthcare workers in hospitals. Yep. I mean, what about ambulance drivers? Okay, right. so if, if 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 everybody doesn't, if everybody is in fear of it and says no, we're not going to take it. You know, or in fear, and they take it, and we and and, and they'll be and they'll be in the hospitals. Okay, yeah. they'll be in the hospitals because they're vaccinated, they're injured, and then we're going to find out even more information about those people because they'll be they'll be somebody who's in a worse condition than Cheryl. Yeah, there'll be there'll be an increase if if, mm -hmm. uh, if 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 people stand up, then that will shift the you know the the environment if people say i'm going to take the shot and go to work then yeah we will see an uptick in uh hospitalization and injury due to the vaccine do you have to are you required as a uh, professor to get to get the vaccine shot uh not yet but we'll see i mean that's uh we'll see what happens when but i'm not going to take it at this point no way no mm. way would you tell other people not to take it no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't make that decision for other people. I'd say get informed, and I don't mean get informed by by what we're hearing on the surface. Go do the research. 
and go do the serious research, see what both sides are saying. But I, for me, the original, my original perspective was, um, I don't have enough information to make a good consensual decision. There's, there's just not enough information. And since then, a lot of other information has come out, um, that is concerning enough for me to take a hard look at the cost benefit of shot versus no shot. And so where I land right now is no shot on this one, on this one. Right. I mean, I'm not anti-vax. Um, you know, I'll say something that's probably really risky to say, but I probably 90% of the people plus would say it. I am pro good medicine. I am anti bad medicine. I'm pro good science as a scientist. I'm pro, I, I am anti bad science. I mean, how can you argue with that? And yet we're in, in such a cultural chasm of that we're, that we're that we're labeling people, stigmatizing people, othering people, and and our current administration and media is pitting us against one another. And we need to get beyond that. And I understand there's a lot of fear and it gets clicks, it gets ratings, it gets votes, it makes money. Um, I understand the motives behind that, right? As a sociologist, it, it usually boils down to power, status, and wealth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, what would you say to the, was it Moderna that Cheryl got? Yes. What would you say to the CEO? Well, I'd like to, what I would say to him is I'm not going to say here on this recording because I have a lot of things I'd like to say with a lot of expletives in it. But basically, um, I would say shame on you. Shame, shame, shame on you. You selfish, self-centered, egotistical son of a gun. That's nice. That's as nice as I can get on a recording. So, um, yeah, I think I think we I think we need to put some people behind bars. So, what do you do? You think that um, Fauci is just nothing more than a um, marketer for pharma? Well, based on based on the information that's that we have available to us, and I think a lot more research, you know, and and, and investigation needs to be done. Uh, but based on what's out there, uh, he's knee deep in this from the get go. And I think he, he, he owns a lot of the, um, current situation we're in with the gain of function and his involvement with that. Um, I mean, I could get into the weeds on that a little bit and, um, but he definitely is involved and he needs to own it. And I would say to the whole government, uh, I would say to the whole medical industrial complex, you broke it, you own it, you fix it, and you fix the people you've damaged. So you want accountability. You want accountability. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that. Okay, that's that's good, Ken. And 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 please, um, let's keep in touch. Okay. Yeah. Anything I, I mean, about. seriously, I, 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 I think it's our responsibility as the media because it's gotten so wrong that once I understood this, you know, I, I, I there, there's, this is going to turn into genocide if people don't do something. 
I mean, it's just, it, it, it's beca because it's just, I mean, I've already come out publicly and said, I think this is medical trafficking as a, as a specialist in human trafficking, because everybody's an experiment. Yeah. And there's no accountability and you're being forced, you're being coerced, you're being sold, you're being deceived. And so I've, I've already come out and said that, and, and I'm going to try to do it as much as I possibly can. Yeah. And fear mongered. I mean, that's why, I mean, that's how you get people on board with ridiculous, crazy, you know, people suspend, right. They're, they're yeah. thinking. Yeah. yeah. No, well, it, it's, it, it's fear. <laughs> and then, and then you say, then people say, we don't know anything about science. We don't have to know anything about science. I mean, if you, because, I mean, I'm not a scientific reporter, but I can smell corruption. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you can. You've been around the block a few times. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's important. Now, which football team did you play for? Played for the Green Bay Packers. All 12 years of my NFL career with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, um, inducted into the Packer Hall of Fame uh, a few years ago. Um, enjoyed my is that why Is that why Johnson took your phone call? You know, uh, probably to some degree. Um I think the other degree is I explained to um, his assistant what it was about. And I did unknowingly, uh, it was within his wheelhouse. I mean, it's kind of what he was already on. So probably mm -hmm. a couple of, yeah, probably both of those um, reasons. But yeah, um, you know, I did. I threw down the, the Packer gauntlet, you know, and, and good for you. Up and, you know, yeah. So good for you. And good for him. He is a good man. And, and that's what, that's why I thought of him because. The few sound bites I'd heard of him over the time, and I, I, I said, "Oh, that guy—he seems like a good man. He seems like an honorable man. Mm -hmm. Oh, and he's a—oh, and he's from—he's a senator from Wisconsin. Oh, that's so cool!" And that mm -hmm. stuck in my head. And so when when I thought to myself, "Man, this is low hanging fruit. If I was a politician, I would help these people out." How? how many brownie points could you get for helping these people out? And, and so I said, oh, I'll give them a call. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just at the end of my rope with no other place to go. Why not give it a shot? And uh, the stars aligned and we talked and he held, you know, held a press conference for us in Milwaukee. And um, man, that's a whole other thing. It was just bizarre. It was like in being in twilight zone to, to observe these five people, women, uh, sharing their stories, just tell your stories. They, it was, it was tear jerking. Uh, I watched it. Yeah. And, and I'm watching the reporters and it, and the cameras are rolling, you know, probably, um, a half dozen cameras and, um, probably a dozen reporters. And, and I'm thinking, okay, uh, are you, is this, is this, uh, is this connecting with these reporters? And it's like, no, you know, they've most, I think most reporters have been, you know, you're in the business, right? After mm -hmm. a while, you, you know, it's, it's a job and people are objectified and, and defined. And to, to me, part of it was, it seemed like, uh, they're trying to figure out, Hey, which tribe are you in? Because they all said, hey, we're pro-vax, we're pro-science. So that's one tribe that says that. And then they tell their stories. And their stories were like, well, you shouldn't be saying this because you're going to increase vaccine hesitancy. So maybe you're in the other tribe. And I think in the end, they didn't know whether to support them or to attack them. And so, um, and, and there weren't any fumbles. So there was no fumble to catch on, on by the media, by the, by the TV cameras. And 
they didn't ask any questions, which I thought was was amazing. I thought that was interesting because Johnson had left the room, so he wouldn't become an issue. Right. Once, then, yeah, they asked a couple questions, which were kind of crazy questions, like, "Are you going to sue?" And we're like, "No, we we want to get we want to get help, and we want to get healthy." <laughs> You know, and, and then once Johnson left the room and said, go interview these people, they're here, they have the stories, go connect with them. Not mm -hmm. one reporter connected with one person that shared their their, their journey, you know, as a, a result of, of these severe reactions. Not one it was shocked. Wow. 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 Well, we're here. 